and welcome to Speak Up with Laura Camacho podcast. We are super happy to have you here. If you're new, I want you to know that this is a show where we have very direct, concise, and interesting conversations with leaders, with A-listers. You know, another, uh, an alternative title for this podcast could be Secrets of the A-List, because that's what you get. You know, we talk to architects, we talk to community builders, we talk to reality television producers, luxury brand consultants, and we learn what is going on in other fields, which informs our own work. And in that process, we learn how do they sell their ideas? How do they build community? That's, that's what you're going to get in this podcast. And today is about building community with Linda Menzies. And she's a fantastic friend and guest. You're going to love her. We've been on a big campaign to increase our podcast reviews because like all introverts, I hate asking people to help and I hate asking people to do something, but it really does help the podcast when people write reviews and you don't have to write something, you know, so amazing like what I'm about to read to you. You can just say life-changing content, please listen. But this pro tip 1000 from writer01 says, I have attended a variety of platforms to engage and learn from Laura, and each platform is better than the last. My goodness. From one-to-one personal coaching to live webinars to company-sponsored leadership workshops, each one is targeted, impactful, and on point. Any time you spend with Laura is time well spent. Well, I am blushing as I read that, but I really do appreciate the plug. And those of you listening, I would love it if you would leave a review. It doesn't have to be that eloquent. I want to mention our sponsor just to remind you, you should bring this to your company. It's called Speak Up 360. These are 360 assessments that you send to your people above you, people at your level, people that report to you. But this one is unique in that it gets right to high-level communication skills, not anything generic like does so-and-so know how to delegate, but how influential, how much visibility do you see, how is their public speaking, are their presentations good or boring, is speak too much or too little, how's their body language, you know, all of the things that go into executive presence, the things that go into influence, the things that go into leading a meeting, those teeny tiny micro skills, that's what you get the feedback on. It's it's an amazing tool. I hope you will bring it to your company. If you're interested, please email hello at speakupwithlaura.com. And without further ado, I'm going to tell you a little bit about Lydia Menzies. She lives in Georgia. Uh, she used to be a second grade teacher. And when you hear about how she did manage her classroom, you're just going to wish you were in second grade in her classroom. So she's like you, she goes above and beyond, but she, you know, she's not in the technical field. She doesn't work in finance. She works really in building communities. So, but from a hospitality angle, you're, you're just going to love it. And so I'm going to bring you Lydia. Today, you are in for a total treat. I am interviewing the lovely Lydia Menzies, who is the founder of a group I belong to for almost two years called the Supper Club. And that's mostly business owners. So I know you're thinking, well, I work for Google or Amex. I'm not, you know, I don't have my own business, but that's fine because 
Today is a special day. Lydia is going to talk to us about building community. She's going to talk to us about giving the best birthday parties for your kids that will make the other moms and dads just cry in envy. Lydia, like a lot of you, goes the extra mile and she knows how to find that detail that's going to have a high payoff in entertaining and building community and putting groups together. And since you guys do that on the daily in your jobs, I think this is just a great match for you to meet my friend. I know Lydia in real life, and I'm super happy to have you on. So welcome to the show, Lydia. And the first thing I wanted you to tell us, because I know your story a little bit, everybody's going to just faint a little bit when they hear how you started, because I'm going to cut to the chase a little bit. Lydia started her professional life as a second grade teacher, I believe, or primary school. And she she was the teacher that other teachers were not that crazy about. And she, but her principal loved her. And she used to make the electricity go out for the whole building. So you electrical engineers are just going to love this. Lydia, tell us about how that came to be. Well, thank you, Laura. It is my treat and my honor to be here. So thank you so much for the invitation. I am always happy to talk about being creative and building communities and, you know, blowing the power out. So I (laughs) do like to go all out and I like to really hone in on things that make times or experiences memorable. And so that is... um, part of it. Sometimes you do blow the power out of the entire school. So (laughs) I was a second grade teacher and absolutely loved it. It was something that for a creative person was a wonderful canvas to be able to create and also incorporate learning. And so I did that quite often with very hands-on activities. I am very interested in the different ways that children learn rather than exposing them to the one set way that was typical. For me, it was about bringing together all of the senses and all of the different styles of learning. And some of those were very hands-on, like making pancakes with dads and things like that. And that's when we actually blew the power out because we had so many griddles going at one time. And so, (laughs) Yes, but wasn't there a case of like a volcano or an octopus or something like that. I just know our audience is going to enjoy hearing what you did to really teach children an immersive sort of. Sure. It was very immersive. And yes, we, what we would do is I would create the entire curriculum based on a theme. And so if I, let's say the school had a curriculum for the second grade, I would then take that and incorporate the things that I could teach under one theme. And so that theme would last about six weeks, sometimes eight, but usually about six weeks. And then the other themes would come into play after that. So I would change it periodically. But each time I, you know, kinesthetic learning was really important to me, especially with young boys that were just itching to get up and go. And I knew that I could help them. They were so bright and so energetic. And I just wanted to funnel it into a way that they could use it and make it so that they weren't always feeling like they were in trouble because they couldn't sit still and do their work, but that they could actually, you know, take the math lesson and turn it into creating 
I think we made an igloo one time that was out of PVC pipes and chicken wire. It kind of went back to my days of being in high school and creating a float (laughs) for the homecoming parades. And so I channeled that part of me and we did the chicken wire. And then we, it started out as an igloo when we were studying winter and ice and all the different aspects of science with that. And in the spring, it became a cocoon and and it was also a reading center so that they could go inside of it and that was where they could read. It became a cocoon and then it became a spaceship another time. Like it was <laughs> always, always changing. But it was great work for the boys and the girls that were interested. I loved being able to find the things that they were interested in and then really put it to a different level of learning and take it from the paper. They, of course, had to be able to perform it in a written format when they had to do the graded parts to really, really help them understand what they were learning on paper and put put it into practice. So that was my whole way of teaching. And it really was incredibly immersive. I love it. The teaching profession, I mean, I'm a former teacher also, but more the college level. I mean, you don't go in it for the money. And a lot of times you you suffer a lot of other life-wrenching setbacks in terms of, you know, budgets or expectations or rules or the tests. All kinds of things are going on in education. But it sounds like your students definitely had a, a golden era So let me see if I've got that right. So you went from teaching and doing these, you know, almost like Montessori on steroids kind of immersive experiential learning experience to creating these out of the box birthday parties for children. Was that the transition? It was. It wasn't directly, but I did go from teaching. And then because of the reasons that you mentioned just now, it's very hard as a teacher. It's not a very sustainable career and it will beat you. Yeah, it'll (laughs) suck the life force out of you. You know, I was in my early 20s and I I poured my heart into it, but then I also realized that I had to kind of back it up and and do something that made more sense. And I hate to say that, but it was just a that lifestyle was not sustainable. And so I know. So then I began tutoring, like private tutoring around the neighborhood or like with friends, kids and things like that. But I ended up tutoring. And then when I had my children, I would celebrate their birthdays. And it really just was a natural way for me to celebrate a birthday and to sort of recreate whatever the theme was. I would really go all out for it. And it caught the eye of all my friends and they were asking, would you write a book and you should do this and you should do that and tell us how to do all these things. And so I ended up starting a blog and it was called The Party Wagon. So I did children's party ideas there, children's birthday party themes. And it just was the perfect transition from a theme in the classroom to a theme for a party and being able to really just hone in on all of the tiny details, as well as the bigger aspects of a theme. And it just showed people how to think creatively rather than just go to the store, see the theme that they have prepared for you at the party store and pick it up off of So tell us, like, what's your favorite birthday party thing that you can think about? Well, I have to say every one that I did became my favorite, honestly. Like every time I did something else, I'm like, this this was my favorite one. So I have to tell you that my daughter, as she got older, she would tell me the themes that she wanted. 
they were always based on whatever my kids were interested in. So Mm -hmm. for instance, like with my son, dogs were his thing for about three or four years. (laughs) With my youngest child, that was true. I wish I'd given her a dog party. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So we did many dog parties. So things like that, but I always let them, whatever they were interested in, that would become the theme of the party. And then it would go from there. So as she got, got older, she would like to challenge me to like, what if we did this, this, and this together? (laughs) But there was a Madeline birthday party that I did for her that I just, I've always loved it. It was the most adorable. All the little girls had like the Madeline capes. The invitation would pull out of a of an envelope, but it was a felt envelope and it was oh, okay. the blue with the white collar and the red. Oh, like they're using Madeline's outfit. And so the invitation was mailed and they would pull it out and then they would see, and it was just this very elaborate invitation that was so fun. It was in French and it had all these different parts and it was just this, it set the tone for that party. So I tried to weave their lives into their party so that it really was meaningful to all of the girls that were there because they had, you know, a pretty small class and they would just all come. And so I just take all the details that I can out of a book or whatever the theme is and really amplify the details in the party to match that. I'm sure the people listening, I can just see the wheels in their brains turning because a lot of us are introverts. That's what we dig the most, like those details. But do you have any tips for like, where do you find the props for parties of any kind? Everybody doesn't have a friend with a covered wagon. (laughs) I I totally don't. I'm so inadequate. I do not have a friend with that. Covered wagon table. That was very random to have it. So my favorite place to go is Etsy to find things that are very unique, handmade, and very small detailed, and usually affordable, and usually you're supporting a very small business. I love that. Of course, we all want to do that. The makers, the people who make it. Okay, so Etsy is the place to go. I love that. I'm already thinking. You know, I have five grandchildren now. The oldest is two. So we have a lot of birthday parties ahead. I'm all inspired. So I know that you were able to take the party wagon and somehow digitalize it. You had, you know, Google and there's some Google people, Googlers listening. So Google was a big part that was driving traffic to the blog. And were you selling anything off of that? So it truly began as a hobby, as so Mm -hmm. many blogs do, especially when my kids were so little and I just enjoyed putting it out there. My friends could go and look at it, get the ideas. And then it really grew very quickly. I was really fortunate that someone in the world of Martha Stewart picked it up or saw like something that I had done, invited me to join a group that she had formed called Dreamers Into Doers. And I was immediately drawn into this incredible group of creative people who we just supported each other and promoted each other and helped each other on social media. At the time it was Facebook and then Pinterest came along. And that's when that traffic trifecta sort of started happening where you could go from your blog to Facebook and then also pin it to Pinterest. And it was just a constant flow of traffic. It was just incredible there were a lot of blogs at that time, but obviously not as many as there are now. And so, right, especially on Pinterest, because Pinterest was so new, you could really stand out. That's where the traffic came from. And then I unfortunately was going to have my site migrated from, from one thing to, to WordPress. And when I had it 
migrated, the company didn't keep me on Google. They inadvertently (laughs) took me off of Google, which really messed up the traffic flow, as you can imagine. So um, let me just make a little comment here. If there's anybody listening who works at Google, I know some of you are listening. If you know how to fix this, let us know. (laughs) But I want to know with the teaching, you're focused on what kind of experience can I create so these children learn? And then with the parties, you're thinking of a creating experience so the kids have a good time and you're making memories. And I know that, you know, with the birthday parties, you're helping the parents come up with ideas. But your philosophy of building community must have been developing along this. Like, what are some of the things that you learned? Like what I know about building community is what? Well, it definitely was building. And especially as a teacher, I always would invite the parents to come. Like Every time we would would end a theme, let's say we had four or five themes during a, a school year, I would have a culminating activity so that they could come in and be part of what their kids had learned. And the kids would produce a show of some sort, every single production. So we had to kind of find a way to close it out. So I would have all of them, the kids would, they picked an animal that they wanted to dress up as, or, you know, whatever. And they would do, we would face paint, we would do, and everybody had a part in the show at the end, the parents would come and we would have this big party to celebrate. It was just amazing. So we would have this huge spread of everything we could do to kind of close it out And so that definitely started building the community within each class because we were all focused on this one thing of come together and create these really great experiences. And I think creating an experience, whichever way it turns out to be, and what I mean is that looks different for different people. For me, it's very vibrant and colorful and busy and active and all of that. But, you know, for others, you can create a similar, you can create an experience that looks totally different with a similar outcome of community. So you don't have to just do it in one way, but this is, that's how I would do it. And then there were constant activities for the parents could come in and volunteer for. So it was really opening up my classroom to people to come in and feel comfortable, you know, being part of it and giving them a job, helping them have something to do makes everyone feel comfortable and welcome and like they're contributing. So That's a great tip. And that's something that so many people, and and I I think that you've really hit on an important point that building community means letting go and letting do it, not your way. It takes thought to think, oh, Lydia's coming over to my gathering. What can I give her to do if she gets there first? That would, you know, help break the ice because I I think there is some awkwardness especially for people who don't entertain frequently and I was just talking to an architect yesterday and we were talking about the theme of people not gathering in person as frequently of course you know people are traveling again but still getting together is not as fluid as it as it used to be especially with building community that means bringing in people that you don't know very well right? right Well, you know, I think for people who are uncomfortable or you don't know people very well, I love a small coffee shop or a small lunch gathering and give it at a neutral zone. So go into, you know, that is usually the best icebreaker is to be able to say, hey, would you guys, you know, let's all meet for lunch at like 11 versus or 1130, you know, like try to beat that lunch crowd. Crowd. Yeah. 
have a central location that you can just go in and meet. And even if it's just for lunch and it's not meant to be a business meeting, but just to begin the fostering the relationship or just that a little bit of vulnerability to be open to others. So I think that that's always a great thing is to start on a neutral ground and coffee shops are always really popular, but there are just so many places that you can, you can find. You can work in an office or you can have your own shop and you can invite people to lunch at a local place. And activities, like when you start with something like lunch or even breakfast, I think breakfast is even a great one because people just feel like that's easy. And it's, yes. you know, then have an activity that you can do together that, you know, if you're talking in an office environment, a craft activity sounds so silly, but it's <laughs> one of the most engaging ways to just break the ice. For instance, right now, candles, like tapered candles are very popular to paint. So you like just, you just take a white candle and you paint them. I'm, I'm going to do those with a group soon. And I mean, there's nothing easier than that. Now, if you need something that's a little more masculine, you you can go do those axe throwing places. You know, you can just <laughs> right, do something right. that is yes, but physical. You know, I think physical. that yeah, mm-hmm. that that is not just talking. It's actually moving your body in some way. Even if you're painting dots on a candle or throwing an axe, I that to me that sounds so strange. The beer and axe throwing places, but. <laughs> yes. yes so an activity and a lot of times people work for companies that even a sponsor event so you maybe you can get uh, free tickets I think it's just if you're not in the groove of doing that it's you think ugh, it's going to be so awkward but I like your idea of have coffee with them first yes but then think about the ways that you can utilize what's already in your community that won't cost you a fortune and that you can also just build the friendships among the people. And I just, it, it really is endless. You've asked about like, if you're an introvert and mm-hmm. yes. to facilitate some community. And I also want to tell you this, because if you have, like, especially if you are in charge of a division in your group, in your company, or you are the owner, just having a truck roll up with like an ice cream truck or a food truck or something along those lines for just a little perk for the day gets them outside and and kind of around love that idea yes it, like you said it doesn't even have to be lunch it could be ice mm-hmm. cream who's it gonna could be ice cream. it could be like those um kona ice trucks mm-hmm. we think about ideas that things that you might do as a thank you gift for others, like in a group setting, like at a school, you can also do that within your um, company. I love that. That is so good. My goodness, so many ideas. And, but it's, this is so helpful and interesting. I want to get into your new program. Like I see in your background, you've got this candelabra with bows on the candle. So it's creating an ambiance. It's thinking about the emotional impact. I don't know if this is how you describe it, but I see it as you put together a visual that evokes an emotional reaction that puts us in a happier mood. And then that makes it easier for us to talk to each other. That's what I'm thinking. Is that what you're thinking? 
I think that is the biggest compliment you can possibly give me. So thank you. I, <laughs> when I create, then I love that. And that would be an honor to know that that is what <laughs> happens. I mean, that's what happens to me. I see, I'm like, oh my gosh, that is so nice. And I just imagine if I were, you know, like you walk into a room, there's this whole concept of visual intelligence and aesthetic intelligence. And I am an ignorant about it. I just know those things exist. And I do know though that, that what you see affects how you feel. Yes, but I think you are exactly right. That enhances the experience and it immediately breaks down barriers. It becomes just even talking points. Those allow talking points. It becomes just something to focus on besides the awkwardness of having a group together that may right. not. Right. What, what, what do I say? Who do I talk to? <laughs> I mean, even if you have an unusual floral arrangement that gives somebody, you know, oh, have you, what, isn't that amazing? The flowers that she put together is a nice conversation starter. Yeah. But I do think it, it makes people feel at ease when, when the surroundings are pleasant and when they are inviting the simple things that they say, doing lamps versus overhead lighting, things like that, really, they affect people's moods. There is a whole psychology to it. It is warmer and it is more welcoming when you have nice lighting and different, just something interesting to absorb that's not expected, I think. Right. So y'all, Lydia has this new new to me program training. It's like education. I think this is my version of it, where you learn how every month how to like some actual tips, like buy this color of ribbon and this is a recipe and this is a kind of a flower and for different things. Is that, am I right? Is that how it's working? Yes. So it's called the party prep school and it's basically, I take a theme and then I show a bunch of different ideas that you can use. You don't have to use all of them. You can choose as many as you like, but I just give out as many ideas on that theme so that you can recreate your party or your dinner party or whatever it is you're going to host. I used to do it more often when my kids were little, but I just would do it every, you know, in my home. It was every, every month I would probably change up the breakfast table. So you can just apply it and it does, it teaches flower arranging, table setting, craft activities and recipes, menus, some etiquette is thrown in. People always ask the etiquette questions and my mom was quite the stickler. So I feel like I have a, a pretty good, yeah, <laughs> good, good education on that. It is a great community. We, it's actually very simple to navigate. It's a, it's a Facebook group is where I'm hosting it. And so they can come in and if they miss the actual, the live class that I teach, then the replays are right there. So they can take it all in at their own, in their own time frame, And so like, what you're seeing behind me, that has been the Valentine theme. And then um, we did Valentine's Day and anything that had to do with February. And now we're moving into all things green and there will be a bunny brunch and there will be an elegant Easter class coming up. So those are the things coming up for the next month. I love that. For me, I mean, I definitely want to join because I want to get Easter brunch ideas. We're going to link that in the show notes is it just going to your website, Lydia Menzies? Yeah, it's just LydiaMenzies.com. You'll see one that says party prep school and you'll see another little button that says the supper club. Yeah, and the, the supper, supper club. club. Is more business related. And then the party prep school is really all designed for, it's like a, a party prep school, <laughs> literally. <Yes>. A party. <laughs> I, I think it would just help everyone who wants to, 
who has a busy, demanding job as CFO of some company, and but they want to, you know, even if they order everything to be brought in to get some ideas. Lydia, is there anything I haven't asked you or something that is missing in this conversation that you would like to share with this audience? You know, they're interested in having community for sure. Yeah. Well, I just think that the biggest part of building the community is being able to take that first step to create an activity that creates an experience. So just think of it in that terms and almost remove yourself from it as having to be the one that you you can think of yourself as the facilitator, but if it is in any way intimidating to you, just rewind and, and, and listen again to the podcast to the part that says, just do it in a different place, but find a way that makes you comfortable and then proceed to that. Because I just feel like if you just start, if you just do something, anything is better than sitting back and wishing that I knew how to do it. Like just try something. Right. That makes life more meaningful and intrinsically rewarding for all of us. So thank you, Lydia. This has just been such a treat And I really appreciate your sharing your wisdom and your experience. And to the audience, of course, you're welcome. And I'll put all the connection with her in the show notes. Party Prep School is her tool or experience that you can have to make your parties better if you want to, or your events (laughs) and build your community. All right. I love sharing my ideas. So I'm happy to have anybody that wants to hop in. I would love for you to tell me too, if you're from, like if, if anybody from your group hops in from your podcast, please let me know that you found, you found. Yes, that would be awesome. All right, everybody catch you on the next episode. Bye-bye. You bye-bye. So thank you so much for listening to this episode with Lydia and me. I really appreciate your being here. I know you're so inspired. You're ready to have some kind of event. I'm always willing to come. You can invite me. would love it if you leave a podcast review, but tell your friends. Let's build this community of Speak Up and make the world a better place. Have a great day. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.